Welcome to Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast. I'm Chuck Slapkin, and I'm here with my co-host, Steve Gould. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chuck. Well, seems like old times. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly for those looking at this and not just listening to it. You can see right. that it's old times. Or right. old timers, anyway. Old timers. <laughs> so, but before we get into this episode's discussion... I just, you know, want to, if people do want to get in touch with us, they can uh, reach us on Twitter at Elgin Movie, Instagram at Elgin Movie Watchers, Facebook at Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast, and you can contact us uh, via email at Elgin Movie Watchers at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you uh, and any ideas you may have about the uh, what we can be doing in the future. That uh, list sounded like a menu I'd see hanging up in Bright's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Bright's was the food shop uh, diner type, the place that was uh, located, uh, I guess, was it a block or two north yeah. of the Elgin on 8th Avenue, on the east side of 8th Avenue. And we've yeah. referred to it in earlier episodes of probably uh, yeah. too much. <laughs> too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I figured, uh, you know, nothing wrong with uh, bringing up Bright's because it's fond memories for both of us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they had good soup. Uh, first meal we ever had together was from Bright's. I'll give you some ragu, all right. Yeah. Uh, we got That's... some ragu pending down in Washington now. We haven't really spent a lot of time uh, dealing with, you know, current time and political issues, but I think... You and I, uh, via emails and chatting, uh, you know, I've been very concerned about, you know, things that are happening. And one of the things that was very, uh, very much a part of us when we were uh, youngsters at the Elgin was when the uh, the vote was changing so that it went from people having uh, to be 21 to being only 18. So uh, and uh, thinking of that. Uh, I was really upset with what's happening with the vote down in Washington now. What's well, actually happening in individual states? They're and they're trying to uh, change the, uh, uh, making it more difficult for people to vote. And the people they seem to be targeting are people who are uh, uh, black or brown or, or poor or uh, elderly uh, or students from uh, finding it easy to register to vote. In some cases, for people who register to vote, even maintaining, you know, their ability to vote, it's shocking and startling that 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 uh, it's going on, and a lot of people are involved in trying to, to fight it. And again, it's 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 a right that we're going to have to, uh, you know, fight to maintain. It's under attack by people who feel that they'll be harmed by people voting. So, but you know, the thing that I I was surprised at, I mean. You don't, you know, when you're waiting online to get in to vote, uh, you know, you don't have a place card around your neck saying Democrat, Republican, Independent or something like that. And uh, there were people, you know, in uh, especially southern states when it got very, very hot, they were handing out uh, water bottles. Now they've got it in the uh, in the law down there that 
if you do something like that, uh, you could face arrest for trying to uh, influence. I mean, how the hell would somebody know that they're handing a uh, bottle of water to a Democrat or a Republican? So it's 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 really upsetting when things happen like that. Well, there are certain localities in this country that if you give food to a homeless person, you could be arrested. If we're making progress, it hasn't been a hell of a lot. But yeah. I'd love to go back, if it's okay with you, Stephen. Sure, talk sure. About, uh, yeah. What was taking place in this country? Because it really goes back even before the 26th Amendment and the attempts of doing it right. in legislation right. to the consciousness of people because of the Vietnam War and that young people were being drafted, you know, to die or to kill. And they couldn't even vote yet because the vote was 21 and, and to be right. drafted was 18. So that became uh, quite a bit uh, of, of, of the movement initially because the people would be referring to that and anti-war marches and activities about that aspect of it. It was always powerful. You know, some uh, soldier got up and talked about that and said that, you know, I, I, I can die you know, for this country, but I can't vote to decide who runs the country. Yeah, and I mean, the thing that... Uh... I mean, that's, that's a very powerful uh, comparison. But the other thing that uh, it's a lot more simplistic, but isn't it really strange that in the United States, they allowed people, uh, young, young people who are 18 uh, to get hammered with alcohol, <laughs> but they couldn't vote till they were 21. I mean, they got it backwards. It should have been 18 to vote. And twenty-one to drink, yeah. but it just—it uh, makes—it made no sense. It made no sense. Or sixteen to vote. I mean, <laughs> but so back at that time, there was you know a lot of movement. We were aware at the Elgin of all all kinds of you know actions that were taking place locally, having to do with you know housing and also you know nationally. And I know you know, a number of times we sure. went down to D.C for uh, anti-Vietnam marches and demonstrations. Right. So uh, And later anti-nuclear, you know, he did that too. So, you know. Yeah, and it was, uh, and of course, you know, we were always, you know, putting uh, people on uh, to talk at the Elgin and also making the theater available to uh, uh, organizations that, you know, to, to use the theater for benefits. And we, so we were, you know, you know, plugged into this, you know, pretty uh, clearly. But in two things, you know, it was even more than just being plugged in. We had special roles to play. So we were having to do around the vote. Um, well, why don't you explain to Steve? Well, not explain to Steve. Steve, yeah. would you please explain? Well, I think we should probably give our uh, listeners and viewers a uh, a little bit of a frame of reference, too, because there was a uh, Voting Rights Act of 1965, and uh, they had thought that uh, they could uh, do a kind of an addendum and take the vote uh, uh, down from 21 to 18 in that Voting Rights Act. And even, believe it or not, a little tricky dick, Richard Nixon uh, was even saying, you know, I, I read a quote one time where he was saying, no, I firmly believe that the 18-year-old should have the vote. But he said, uh, I really think that it has to be 
uh, a constitutional amendment. And then that happened with the Supreme Court saying, yes, it's got to be this way. That's when in 1971, the 26th Amendment came up where the 18-year-olds did get to vote. And I think maybe (laughs) because of that and the excitement of that is uh, how we got into the uh, barrel (laughs) to uh, get the uh, 18-year-olds registered. The Elgin was a good physical location for that to happen. We had a lot of young people in our audience. We were open in many hours, but uh, there was a specific reason why the Elgin became important at that particular time. And I should say, you, you mentioned about, before we get to that, this, this, it went to the Supreme Court because they actually tried to get legislation through that would change, the, right. the, the, as you said correctly, the, the addendum to the earlier voting rights. But, but, the, right. but the, the response was, is that you could only do that for a federal election. Right, not for state and local. State right. and local. So yeah. then people began to think, well, That'll just be a, a nightmare to have to do that. So that's where the motivation came. You know, when the court said, no, you can't do that, it would be unconstitutional to then start the uh, the move for the uh, 26th Amendment. And then we'll get back to why the Elgin was special. But amendment <laughs> in the, amendments historically took a long time to go through the motions and then each state would have, or at least had to get the majority of states or whatever to verify that they were supporting this uh, amendment, voting for the amendment. And it could take years. (laughs) Well, like like an hour and a half. (laughs) Within one year, all the states that voted for it, you know, voted for it. So So in a sense, it was almost the sense that this was something we had to get done. The movement was there. And if we couldn't do it by you know legislation and we have to do it by amendment, we're going to push this thing through. So it got pushed through. And then all of a sudden, because uh, basically the city of New York uh, skews very highly Democrat. Uh, of course, the Democratic Party wanted to get as many 18-year-olds uh, registered. I know we talked about how hard it is with registration and uh uh, some of the states and waiting online and then, uh, you know, closing uh, uh, some election places. But the fact of the matter is, back in 1971, they had these old manila cards that had to be signed uh, with your details. And you had a sign as a uh, uh, prospective uh, uh, registrant to vote. But there was also uh the necessary uh approval both the democratic party and the republican party on this uh person's registration that could have created a problem well what would be the problem the problem was well the problem was that there's so many so many yeah and when the uh um district uh, leader for the democratic party came in and proposed this to us, you and I said, yeah, sure, this is great. You know, you're right. And, you know, and as you pointed out, we're open a long time. We could uh, set it up. They could go down in the lounge, sign up. We have a table up in the lobby, whatever it is, uh, we could do that. And he says, but uh, I don't know uh, where we can find uh, someone who's Republican that would be willing to uh, 
sign these cards. And uh, I turned to you and said, uh, well, that won't be a problem because I'm a registered Republican. <laughs> which which so, to us in those days was astonishing that uh, someone would right. be actually working at the Elgin, you know, in the era of, uh, you know, Nixon would be a registered Republican. Right. I just want to add, Steve, that it wasn't finding a Republican who was willing, finding someone who was able, because right. it wasn't yeah. even that, like there might have been Republicans who were there but wouldn't do it. <laughs> there were yes. Republicans. Right. It had to do with uh, a uh, personal issue of mine uh, because I uh, had been uh, initially uh, uh, registered Democrat, but when the whole uh, uh, draft thing came up with Vietnam and everything, uh, dear old dad uh, had a friend that was uh, pulling some strings for me but he happened to be a Republican. So my father and I uh, changed parties and went over and had a cup of coffee with him. And he said, well, I assume you, uh, you folks are Republicans. And you know, we said, oh yeah, you can check. We're registered Republicans. And uh, he, uh, he pulled some strings and uh, instead of uh, facing a possible rice paddy, I became uh, what was known in the 70s as a weekend warrior. I only did uh, eight months in the reserves out in Fort Ord, California. So, uh, and after that, you know, since I was always voting uh, and I didn't move, uh, I never thought anything about the registration. <laughs> so, and it was only when they brought that up that I said, oh yeah, that's right. I guess I'm still a Republican. So we were able to set up the, the business of being in, uh, in registering to people to vote at, at the movie theater. And it was, uh, you know, quite popular because there were a lot of people who, uh, you know, now uh, that they were able to vote, you know, if they were you know, 20, 19, were all, you know, looking to, to register people who were turning 18. And they had that, a lot of that uh, among our audience. And some days it could have been, you know, quite a number of people. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, that were. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was exciting to see that. I just loved it. And I, I remember kidding with you at the time. I said, boy, I think uh, I think today we might have a bigger line to register than we do at the box office. Well, there was the other aspect is when people registered to vote, it didn't say that they were voting at the Elgin at 8th Avenue and 19th Street. They had to put in, you know, where they live. They're, they're right. Oh, yeah. So yeah, here, no, so right. now, so you have all these cards signed by a, a Democrat and, and a Republican, and this Republican is all over the city. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's everywhere. He's signing cards for people who live in Queens and Brooklyn. Yeah. Now, it was just, it, it was, it was amazing because there was a time that Steve had like a, 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 a giant stack of cards that he had to sign <laughs> one after the other. And even yeah. complaining about his hand was hurting from signing. Yeah, so I have was, no uh, idea how many people we, we registered to vote, but it was a large number. If people could uh, uh, feel the uh, enjoyment that uh, we had being able in a small part to uh, 
make something that was uh, that happened uh, positively down in Washington come to fruition in uh, in New York City in Manhattan at our at our theater. Uh, uh, to this day, I I mean I know it's a funny bit when <laughs> I mean I can still remember. <laughs> you turning to me and looking when I said, well, uh, I'm a Republican. And you were like, holy yeah. shit, what the, you know, what's going on here? Well, I, I said to myself, you know, I said, well, eats oxtail ragu. I guess being a Republican isn't that much of a leap from that. But, <laughs> but it's also now in retrospect, looking back at this, uh, you know, 50 years later, right? 71, well, this was in 74, I guess we would, whatever we were doing the registering. So it's not quite 50. Years. Well, no, we started, I think, in 72. No, right, so it's so, so yeah. 50 years. Yeah. yeah so there years. are some people who, when talking about the Elgin or things that took place for them at the Elgin, some people could be able to say, you know, that's the place I, I registered to vote for the first time. Was the Elgin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we ought to tell the Joyce that they should really put a plaque up outside for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be good. And that's not the only thing that, that we got involved in that had, had a, a positive impact for, for the community. And, and, and the other one really, is Steve came to me, you know, with the, with the uh, situation of the, of the Westway, which was a multi-billion dollar project which was to turn the West Side Highway into uh, this uh, downtown expressway and, and, you know, huge park. And, and I had heard of Marcy Benstock, but you were the one who actually spoke yeah. with her initially. Yeah, Mar Marcy was a sweetheart. She had, she always reminded me of a leprechaun because <laughs> she had like uh, a twinkle in her eye. And uh, she was a, a West Coast girl. And she uh, came to go to Radcliffe, but she was uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely on top of every environmental issue and was obsessed with the nickname for her given to her by, uh, I think it was Ed Koch, was the soot lady because she got pissed off at all the exhausted missions that were coming out and was afraid with this uh, giant thing that would go from, uh, I think it was either 57th Street or 42nd Street, all the way down to Battery Park City. It was what uh, one of the uh, more evil individuals in my, uh, in my book uh, tried to do uh, years ago uh, in the village, Robert Moses, when he was trying to ram a uh, expressway through uh, Washington Square. So Marcy just got crazy about it. And uh, I had known her and she said, because uh, she knew that by this time uh, you and I were at the Elgin, could we uh, ever uh, take you know, some, some of the uh, flyers and get petitions uh, signed there? And I said, uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, and that's, that's how it, uh, that how, how it was developed. And I, and, uh, I appreciated you uh, signing on with that because that would have been a boondoggle. I just looked up that uh, it originally in 1965, 67, when they set it up, uh, they were saying it was going to be a $2 billion uh, super highway underground. 
And uh, $2 billion now, 50 years later, is uh, $660 billion in, in our you know, 2022 money. So you can imagine the kind of boondoggle. And then they were going to put in landfill. Then they were going to build on the landfill. And then the developers were going to come in and put up high rises. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And the interesting thing is, is that uh, only a, a certain percentage, it was like two, $2 billion of whatever the total was going to be supplied by the federal government. But the state... 1.7, 1.7 billion from the federal government. And that the, the balance would have to be paid by the state. And it's yeah, not like you, the, you, you and me, you and me yeah, and every well, other New York. Right, but if you figured out how long it would have to be paid off, you know, the, the hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, what would it eventually end up costing, just as you're saying, in terms of, it could still be, it could have taken 20, 30 years to pay that off. And of course, you know, the increase in cost and whatever, it was like, uh, you know, extraordinary. Now she had to go up, but not her individually, she got other organizations involved in whatever, but, but she w- was going up against, well, I guess it was originally uh, Lindsay, then it became Ed Koch, and then uh, and, Mario, uh, Mario, Mario Cuomo, Cuomo and, and Jimmy Carter. Right, and it was, and it had bipartisan support. So she was going up as the president of the United States, the governor of New York, the mayor of New York City, and she basically, uh, you know, was not like considered herself like a political person. She got involved with, you know, as Steve said, you know, environmental issues, but she certainly understood, you know, uh, what what it could take and what it would be necessary. And also, you know, she uh, knew how to organize. And, and But didn't we also get involved beyond just taking petitions? Wasn't there a point when they were putting together plaintiffs? Do right. You remember that? And we signed on. We were one of the uh, uh, signatories as a uh, part of an amicus brief uh, that was presented there. And uh, I also... Uh, uh, testified because it was getting close. It had already gone to the Army Corps of Engineers. And uh, it was going to be that if they said, okay, uh, it looked like it was going to be a done deal. So uh, she said, would you be willing to uh, testify uh, before the Corps of Engineers? And uh, I was able to BS a lot because in my uh, previous life, uh, I had been a union bricklayer. And that that was one of the things that they were using as a wedge, Uh, you know. uh, And and I I understand the labor movement and they said there'd be plenty of jobs and things like that. But uh, overall, it would have a negative effect on Everybody, even those guys who were the construction guys on this project, on their children and everything else, because of all of the horrible pollution and the debt that would be created. So I went down there and did my uh, quality of mercy at the Corps of Engineers. So, uh, and then, as you said, as you pointed out, that we were uh, part of the amicus brief uh, in that. So. Uh, if somebody went in there, they would see 
At that time, I think uh, it was listed as Nepenthe Films Incorporated yeah. uh, as one of the signatories. Part of uh, of our our history, and uh, you know, and also the, the other thing to mention is is it took probably till about 1985 to finally kill kill the beast, and Marcy, you know, hung hung in during that that. And, and that was that was also because uh, she was a smart lady, and because of they said there might be significant damage to the spawning grounds of the striped bass. Uh, that she went to, you know, the uh, sports fishermen and uh, all of those people like that, and uh, they developed another lawsuit, and they went in there. And this uh, justice, I'll, I still remember his name, uh, Thomas Grisa. And uh, this guy, he was great. He, he, got, he went after the uh, uh, Corps of Engineers and said, well, what does this actually mean? What are you saying significant? And uh, he said, I want you to go back and restudy this and come back to me and tell me yes or no. And of course, they came back and hemmed and hawed. And he says, that's it. It's out. And that's when, by that time, Carter was out. But uh, I think Koch and Cuomo was still in. And if they wouldn't have uh, said the deal is dead, they would have lost about uh, $1.6 billion that could go to uh, mass transit. So they took, you know, uh, they licked their wounds and, uh, and took Bye. the money. Yes, they uh, admitted defeat and had to just you know struggle with getting one point seven billion dollars for mass transportation for New York City. So it was like it, it really was a win-win because it's not like you know you know the city was denied this and and and, uh, and she she was definitely a, a dynamo. I, I I saw that that. Work for the organization she put together with Clean Energy or whatever it was. Oh, it's called the Clean Air Coalition. Clean Air Coalition. And she got paid a salary that was the same salary the entire time she worked there. I think it was for, for 10 years or whatever. <laughs> right. She, she got paid $18,000 a year. And this yeah. is you know, somebody who was a, had a master's from Radcliffe, but really was so committed to making a, a, a things... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, better in the world that uh, you know she 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 did the job and and and, and it was a victory it was a victory yeah. for the people and for generations to come and I, and for whatever little role that we played in, in it uh, is something that's a, an important part of the uh, Elgin's history and something we should be uh, proud about and uh, uh, but we always had that consciousness of. Uh, you know, that we lived in a community, we lived in a city, and we couldn't divorce ourselves or disconnect from from, from that reality. And, uh, you know, looking back, you know, 45, 50 years ago, it was, yeah. uh, it was that sense that the Elgin was, uh, you know, had a place in the community. Uh, and it was not something you just you know thought about occasionally. It was there every day because you were right out on the street, people yeah. walking by. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it was uh, 
it was uh, I, I felt uh, especially happy of being able to do this with Marcy because uh, I always was fascinated with the stories. I, I didn't make it here in New York at the time she was really doing this stuff, but Jane Jacobs with that book, The Death and Life yeah. of American City and, and her standing up against uh, uh, Robert Moses and right. his whole big army of, uh, of lawyers and everything else. So Marcy did that too. And I always said, well, at least we got that done. And, you know, th that's one of the things that uh, has happened with, uh, for want of a better term, the, uh, the old Mel Brooks uh, uh, term, engulf and devour. I mean, in the entertainment business, um, the mom and pop uh, like we had, I don't know. Well, if it was mom and pop, I don't know. <laughs> Whether I was mom or you were pop or, but anyhow, that that movie theater uh, was very very significant throughout the United States, and I was so happy that, uh, in, in a little way, uh, we in Chelsea uh, had that intimate feeling with uh, the neighborhood and with the patrons that. Uh, that went there. These big theaters, you know, whether it's AMC or, or these are all, you know, absentee people. Even the, uh, the managers of those theaters, uh, I don't know, they could have a, they could manage a theater in Brooklyn and they might live in New Jersey. So uh, um, I always appreciated that. And since you uh, also, I lived in the village, but you lived in Chelsea, uh, you know, a block away from the theater. So, so we always were able to have our finger on the pulse, what was happening, and we were perfectly willing to uh, offer a community group uh, an opportunity to have a benefit or something like that. And, and it was exciting. Yeah, being aware of the issues. And I think it was, uh, we understood, uh, you know, how important it was for the people in, in our neighborhood, one, to be able to, to, to vote and register to vote, and also to stop this horrendous disaster that was going to be impacting upon, you know, where, where we lived and yeah. all the money yeah. going to it. And it's, it's mentioned, you mentioned Jane Jacobs, because one of her many quotes was one, doesn't matter how much money you're getting to do something, if it's a bad idea, you don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was Jane Jacobs, and uh, I I don't know. It was uh, it was uh, a fun time, and we uh, we also used I think some of that inspiration that uh, came to. And we've talked about this before, so we won't go into any detail with it. But we saw the issues that uh, I always had a warm spot in my heart for uh, seniors, affectionately called in some circles altacacus, and. Uh, and uh, we talked about it, and that's when we put in that twenty-five cent uh, admission yeah. for them. Uh, and those those are things that uh, you can uh, look at, and people would say, "Yeah, these guys were crazy." What the hell? Uh, I, I uh, to this day, I think it's a wonderful idea. It's a great idea, and I wish now that we could, have, you know, have some karma and get into the, see some movies for twenty-five cents. Or even you know two fifty, <laughs> right, right. But uh, before we go, let me remind people that uh, they can follow us on Twitter at Elgin Movies. Please follow us on Instagram at Elgin Movie Watchers, and on Facebook at Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast. And we're always looking 
forward to hearing from you via email at elginmoviewatchers at gmail.com. Yeah, you see, if we had the uh, theater now, we just have that uh, little uh, book out in the lounge there asking for people to uh, give us their comments. So, hey, new technology. Now all we got to do is email. Yes, and we could also invite Marcy Benstock to come in and speak <laughs> and talk about her uh, phenomenal career. All right, Steve, that's, this is a good one. Thank you. Thank you. I, uh, I think this, I, I hope people uh, got a, a taste of what it was like in the 70s. It wasn't just, uh, wasn't just all, uh, all movies. It was a hell of a lot more. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, so see you uh, the next, see you next episode. Time. Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast. Even he's an Elgin Movie Watchers Podcast. Is that too? Take care. Take care.